Florida Gators recruiting is as intense as it's been in a long time. I know that because you guys are listening more, so I know that you're very interested in this. And we're going to talk more about it only here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Happy Thursday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole Nine Sports and GiantsCountryOfSI.com. Just to ask you a like, subscribe. But we're about to get into today's content because I'm about to be joined by John Garcia, Sports Illustrated's Director of Football Recruiting and Locked On's Recruiting Insider, and we got a great one for you. Now we are back. Joining me today is John Garcia, Sports Illustrated's Director of Football Recruiting and Locked On's Recruiting Insider, and I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply and we're talking about what we've been talking about seemingly every time we link up every day that I come in to record, we're talking about the quarterback position. And with everything happening in Gainesville right now, people panicking about who's going to be here for 2023 and, and 24 and beyond that. Uh, what is the importance of adding a quarterback every cycle for the Florida Gators and for every team in college football? Look, it's the most volatile position in Florida. So, yes, that is thunder. Um, it's the most volatile position in the transfer portal and in college football, right? It's one of those where there's only one mouth to feed. And beyond that, everyone is legitimately hungry. So managing that is hard. Um, and it's become harder because of the portal and because of these young quarterbacks that come in and make huge plays. I was doing a feature for SI recently on Arch Manning, of course. And I was looking at the last 10 number one quarterbacks, consensus number one quarterbacks. None of them sat longer than one year at their college. And a lot of them who sat that first year left and they went to another school and they were able to play right away like a Justin Fields. So I do think that that position and the prowess around it comes with an urgency of, I got to see the field now. So because of that, you're going to see so much movement at quarterback. That's beyond the portal itself and the coaching carousel and philosophy changes, injuries. I mean, that's beyond all of those obvious reasons for attrition. So you need to stack that room as heavily and as most uh, with as much talent as you possibly can, because it can change in an instant. I mean, look at look at that Georgia quarterback room from a few years ago. Uh, when, when Jake Fromm was the guy, they brought in a lot of talent behind him and nobody stuck it out to the point that when they did transition away, it's going to Stetson Bennett. It's going to a former walk-on, Juco bounce back, whatever you want to call him, 30-year-old national title winner at this point. It ends up in his core and he took advantage of it. Certainly no disrespect there, but it probably should have never gotten to him at UGA. But that's the nature of the position. Um, obviously, they overcompensated and won a natty on top of it. But that's a great example of 
even schools with talent everywhere that want to recruit a quarterback every year, you could still fall into something like that. I mean, South Carolina started like a, a walk-on grad transfer last year against Florida. You know, it just it's one of those positions that it can fall through really quickly. So you need to have as much talent as humanly possible, although managing all of that talent is near impossible in this day and age of player movement, the portal, NIL, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and I mean, at this point, we're talking about who is going to be Florida's 2023 QB because obviously they're trying to get involved, which is also weird because I remember early on in the process, in the process, it was kind of like the Gators aren't super in on the 2023 QBs outside of Jaden Rashad and Arch Manning. And then now it's like, well, we got neither of them and the sky's falling apparently, but we had the elite 11 last week. You were there. Uh, Could Florida flip one of those guys that are committed, but I mean, maybe I'm plenty of time, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Look, it's it's part of the process, right? There's a group of quarterbacks, even before the Elite 11, that are, are being courted. Um, and I do think that camp kind of reveals a lot from the talent perspective of, of these guys. So, yeah, a quarterback committed to Tulane or Iowa State is going to get a phone call. It just is what it is at this point. Um, and, and Florida should be active with many. I know they've they've connected to a degree with Chris Parson, the Florida State commitment. I know Emory Williams, right before he committed to Miami, they wanted him to come in for a workout. So, you know, that relationship has at least been established. Uh, So, yeah, navigating the board um, with with those available and those who may be available down the line is, is very important for the Gators at this point. You know, Marcus Stokes is the in-state kid, he goes to Tim Tebow's high school, although he's originally from Baltimore. You know, there's optically, there's a big potential there, although he says he's very much locked into Penn State. But you never know. I mean, these are these are kids, and when offers come in, things happen. Um, so if Florida offers Marcus Stokes or Malachi Singleton, the Arkansas commitment, who's cousins with the Whitmores, by the way, you know, something like that where there's a legitimate connection, you just never know. An offer could lead to a visit, and obviously a visit could lead to all hell breaking loose <laughs> in the quarterback world and, you know, that fan base turning on the, their their savior at the quarterback position. But that's the nature of the business. We saw flips late in the cycle last year, much to do with coaching changes, and I think schools are still figuring that out, right? A lot of these transition staffs don't have a QB locked in. Oregon, LSU, right off the top. Florida, hello, we're just talking about them. Miami just now got their two quarterbacks on board. So it's hard to accomplish that. And I think it creates a lot of movement. And I think, you know, all of those guys, you can kind of build the case, right? Emory Williams is viewed as the number two quarterback in his class, even though he outthrew Rashada at the Elite 11, by the way. He's viewed as the second guy. So maybe that creates a dynamic to where he keeps the door open, although he is not saying any of that at this point. Um, and then pro, prospects committed to smaller schools, Tulane, Iowa State, et cetera, they're just more available, right? I mean, because it's a chance to play at the highest level. It's not the same and, and even for everyone, but you have to listen and take those phone calls. And that can create change in a very short amount of time when you're dealing with high-profile teenagers like it is when, when you recruit any quarterback. Yeah, Emory Williams is someone that especially kind of like piqued my interest a little bit because the big elite 11 week committing to Miami. And then a week later, Jaden Rashada comes in and let's say that 
the NIL thing. Like, he, he, let's just say that Miami paid that much for him or paid half of that or even close to that. At a certain point, is Emory Williams like, well, clearly, like they, they want Jaden Rashada. So maybe he'll be interested in leaving. I'm holding out hope. Anything to get a win over Miami at this point. Look, Emory, these are quarterbacks, right? So they're going to say the right things when we've got microphones, you know, under their, their mouths. Uh, look, Emory's well aware. Um, he said, look, when I committed to Miami, like basically at that moment, they were like, hey, we're still looking for another quarterback. And obviously Rashada was was their top target thereafter. So it, it is something he jumped into with the knowledge of, you know, there's another guy and potentially a better guy being brought in. But look, he's a confident kid. You know, he's he's got his own skill set, uh, 6'4", 205, again, out through Jaden basically every day at the event. Although Jaden had a good event, uh, Emery was, was just a little bit better. Um, I do think, you know, that stuff probably hurts Florida or Florida State or anyone else that, that wants to bring this kid in for a workout because now it's like, well, his own confidence should be growing because head to head, not that they were competing, but, you know, you're looking over your shoulder a little bit. You, you did as good or better. So I do think that, you know, Emery comfortable with, with his verbal commitment. But look, those around him understand the business. And, and once once those NIL reports came out and my gosh, that's a whole other podcast. Um, (laughs) you do have to wonder what phone calls were made. And we know some folks in the panhandle where Emory's from that if he wasn't worried, they became a little bit worried and started to make calls on their own. So there are certainly a group of programs, Mississippi State is one of them as well, that are interested in Emory Williams. So if he opens the door further down the line, that could be another potential solution. But it'll be fascinating to see how it plays out because of those 20 quarterbacks, I think now 18 or 19 are committed. All of those aren't going to sign with the schools they're committed to at this moment. That is all but a guarantee at this point. So if and when those changes happen, Florida has to be proactive and has to be in the mix to at least be in the running for some of those guys. And we're about to continue talking about quarterbacks. But first, a quick word from Rock Auto. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure the question of, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX or an FX? I don't even know how many there are, whatever. And wait while the person behind the counter orders their parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry. Don't do that. You're listening to this or you're watching this. So you have access to a computer, to a smartphone, to whatever you need, and you can visit rockauto.com. It's at home, in your pocket, however you want it. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find a solution to your auto part needs. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know exactly who sent you with amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Now we're back and we're still talking quarterbacks. And we've talked a lot about high school 2023 commits, potential transfer guys, and just just so much at this point where it, it seems like we're kind of overlooking that Florida did bring in a 2022 quarterback who's not getting any attention at all right now. And I just want to know, what is your opinion, evaluation, analysis, whatever you want to call it, of Max Brown? I like him. You know, I think quarterbacks are fairly or unfairly put in a box 
relative to their junior season. If you don't have the huge junior year, and he had a good junior year, but if you don't have that huge junior year, especially coming from Tulsa, Oklahoma, it ain't going to pop for you. It just isn't. You're, you're going to go group of five, low FBS, whatever it is, and, and that's what happened in this case. But, man, you watch that senior tape, 60-something touchdowns, 4,000-plus yards. He threw it well. He ran it well. There's a moxie about him. The spin move he made on one guy at the five-yard line that kind of like walked into the end zone, it's not quite Lamar Jackson-esque from a swag standpoint, but, man, you, you can't help but like that. I think there's a lot uh, with that kid's game. I, I don't think he's got the biggest arm in the world, but look across college football. We just talked about, like, Stetson Bennett. My gosh, you can win at a very high level without that A++++ arm. Um, if you're you're close to that and you do some other things well, like Max can do from a functional athleticism standpoint, you can maximize that that team's chances of winning. And I think of that relative to Billy Napier, look at Levi Lewis last year, the last couple of years at Louisiana. Not the biggest arm, not the best athlete, but just kind of good across the board. And they won a thousand games, it seems like, <laughs> with the Rage and Cage. And so that coach quarterback dynamic has already been proven uh, under Billy Napier. So I'm curious, you know, relative to that skill set, I think Max is the closest on that Gator roster. Obviously, Anthony Richardson is an alien athletically and can do so many things, has the huge arm. He's got all the tools. By the way, we shouldn't assume he's just going to blow up and be gone, by the way. That's just that rarely happens in college football. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll digress from there. But we shouldn't count out Max. I, I do agree that he's being overlooked. And I think being a late addition, uh, he was, what, a Central Michigan uh, commitment before that point. Uh, I think all of those connotations, being from Tulsa, all those connotations optically hurt when he made that decision to flip to UF. Um, but, you know, they wanted to bring in other quarterbacks, and, and he was the guy. Uh, so I do think that says a lot. We all know how the Nick Evers situation went down. Um, you know, he didn't want to bring, be coming in with another quarterback. And even though Max Brown was that other quarterback. So you you kind of wonder, both from the same region, by the way, Texas, Oklahoma, how much awareness was, was there on both sides. But either way, Max Brown's pretty darn good. And I do think, especially with a, a guaranteed red shirt, it seems like on the way in 2022, the questions on his competition level and how up to speed he can get in a short amount of time, those can begin to subside because now you've been in college in the SEC for an entire year. Uh, so I do think even if Richardson has this great year that everyone thinks he's going to have, I do think he's not one to be slept on uh, in 2023. Although, again, we know they want another quarterback this cycle. They're probably going to be active in the portal. Uh, but that's par for the course. Every program wants to do that. So I, I do think production and, and skill set wise, there's a lot to like about Max Brown. And, and I'm definitely not sleeping on him after this year. That's for sure. I'm glad that you feel good about him because I was watching his tape when I was talking about the episode from yesterday. And I, he was one of the names that I mentioned because I was looking at who's on the roster. And I was like, I don't know why people aren't liking him so much. Because what I, and I even said, I was like, I don't know how to translate high school tape to college tape as well. But he looked like a good quarterback to me. So I was like, okay, I don't get why people aren't totally in on Max Brown. And it's funny that you mentioned Nick Evers because. 
we've been talking about the transfer portal and Nick Evers was someone I talked about yesterday because he didn't want to come in with another quarterback. We know that. And now Oklahoma has Jackson Arnold for 2023. And I just want to say he could be a, uh, a flight <laughs> risk from Oklahoma, but and you've talked about the importance of the transfer portal and, and how it's completely changing how teams are built, especially at the quarterback position, but even bigger than quarterback. How has the transfer portal changed recruiting in such a way where this year we had five or six guys hit the portal as five-star transfers? I mean, Jordan Addison was a Boletnikoff player and an insane contributor, and they even added a new quarterback there, and then he still left. So how are teams building through the transfer portal? How has it changed recruiting, especially with guys like Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss? (laughs) Yeah, I think – there's just the feeling that you can fill holes um, and it's everybody now. It's not, it used to be, I think when it first came out, people were looking at it like, oh, this will be great for that quarterback at Central Michigan, let's say, who can now level up and, and go to LSU and compete for a starting job and play on that biggest stage. What a great opportunity this could be. Or for the kid who maybe, you know, oversold himself to a program and now is going to come back closer to home and play at a smaller school, but you're closer to home and you're starting now, all that fluffy stuff. But what it's become is it is a gap filler. It is a total gap filler. Lane Kiffin punted for lack of a better term on high school recruiting, like in October, he was like, we got a good group, but let's just focus on these college guys because they have college tape. And they can come in and help us today without wondering how that tra- – you just talked about the transition from high school to college. We don't have to wonder about that anymore. There's game tape against you know Stanford. Boom, that's a big-time team. Let's bring him in. So I do think that it, it creates uh, more fluidity, but it also fills holes in a, a just a shorter, more tangible, experienced-driven manner. Uh, and I do think that's why it's become so wild in, in college football. Um, and look at Alabama. Alabama signs the number one class every year, but then they still, I need a receiver. I'll go grab the Ohio State kid who's going to go top 15 in the draft. We'll, we'll go do that. Oh, this year, let's go grab, you know, maybe the most talented corner in the country because why not? We need, we need to fill that role. So it's not just the, the fluffy story or the underachieving program that now has a chance to get a little bit better. It's the elites doing it to fill the, the less amount of holes that they have on their roster. So it's, it's changed everything in recruiting. And, and I think it's changed the philosophy and how many high school kids you want to take, because while all these NCAA regulations have pushed for more player mobility, the scholarship limit is still 85. So you, you have to be more conservative to a degree. And I think that's what we're seeing in this class of 2023. There's only like a five or six programs around the 20 commitment mark 10 years ago. Almost all the major programs, the top 25 programs, were at 18, 19, 20 today, like by the by the dead period in the summer, because coaches were hitting the road for vacation and they wanted to focus on the season after that. These classes were all but done, except for the kids who want to do it on TV. That's totally changed. And now there's there's a little bit more room for mobility because coaching staffs are expecting it across the board, not just transition staffs, not just the schools that have to pluck from lower levels. It is everybody, you know, Georgia, Alabama, all the way on down. 
And now we're about to take a look at some kids who are 2023 high school commits. We got a lot of commitments coming up and Florida's in play for quite a few of them. But first, a quick word from Built Bar. It's summertime, if you can't tell by the way that I'm sweating, because it's hot out here and I can't have the AC on while I'm recording, so thanks, people. Um, But Built Bar is the way that I am keeping this shape as well, because I got a sweet tooth. You all know that. I I explicitly say it all the time, but Built Bar is coated in 100% chocolate. Most bars have just 130 calories and four net carbs, along with 17 grams of protein. You could throw out the hidden stashes. You could throw out the Reese's in the desk drawer, the Kit Kat in the cupboard, the Sour Patch Kid, the Swedish Fish. I'm just naming things that I want, honestly, at this point. But I'm going to eat Built Bar because you could get Built Bar and you won't feel guilty. You don't got to sneak around. Built Bar is always coming out with new limited time flavors, too, so that you'll never get bored. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order with Built or BuiltBar.com. To wrap up today's show, we're talking about these big commitments coming up for the 2023 class, and Florida's in play for quite a few of them. What is the latest on Peter Woods, the five-star defensive lineman that's committing? I mean, we're recording this on Wednesday, but when it comes out, it's going to be Thursday, so committing tomorrow. Yeah, this is an interesting Final Four, right? For for me, this is the top prospect in the state of Alabama, a very high-floor defensive lineman, inside-out, pass rusher type who's been extremely productive uh, at the highest level winning some some rings along the way i think a year ago we would have said uh, this is a just a classic bama auburn georgia kind of battle right he's not going to be outside that footprint but then time has gone on bama's still in there and they could still very well get him but florida's new staff has made up a ton of ground clemson's revamped coaching staff defensively has made up maybe the most ground. And then there's Jackson State. So this is a totally different Final Four than than maybe we expected. Um, No disrespect to Dion, I don't think he's headed to JSU. I do think he's going to play in the SEC or the ACC. Um, So I'm viewing this as a three-team race. I think Clemson has done the best job since all the coaching turnover started. So I do think they're the top threat to Alabama. But Florida has stayed steady in this race, and Peter is not the type to give a lot away. He's certainly handling things his own way and very much privately to the point where we know as of today, multiple coaching staffs have some level of confidence. That didn't happen two days before an announcement. Usually it's one staff, maybe a, an underdog staff is, is overcompensating. This is multiple staffs feeling pretty good about it. You know, Francis Maui Goa was kind of like that on Monday. Miami felt good. Tennessee felt good. USC still thought they were in it. Florida knew they weren't. Uh, So that's good self-awareness. So with Peter, it's not quite the same. So I do think, you know, Bama Clemson are are the most likely pair, but there is still some confidence in Gainesville. So I would kind of not sleep on the Gators at this point. And again, Peter keeps things very close. There's there's certainly an argument to be made for him to go anywhere. He's not just going to chase the prestige. He certainly has a belief in himself. And and look, like you said, right before we started recording, Florida's going to recruit well on defense. And they've been recruiting very well, in my mind, on that side of the ball over the last couple of weeks. So it would be foolish to count the Gators out in my mind. And then there's another player at a position where Florida's been recruiting fairly well with Eugene Wilson, the third is committing tomorrow as well. Four-star athlete, but I mean, Kiri Colbert's the one recruiting him. He's 
He's probably going to play receiver, yeah. yeah. Uh, for the Florida Gators, he's committing tomorrow as well. What's the latest on him? Yeah, twitchy electric slot receiver out of Tampa Gaither. We all know Tampa, relative to the other schools in the Big Three, is is a Gators town. Um, so I do think that he's long. I know that he's long loved the Gators. This new coaching staff, like you mentioned, Kerry Colbert has really hit the ground running with Eugene. They got him on campus early and often. Uh, and have begun to held off some of these major programs to the point where it was always Florida. And the question was more of like, who's that other school really going to be? Who's that true contender? Like we said with Peter, Clemson's the greatest threat to Bama. Who's the greatest threat to Florida? Six months ago, it felt like it could have been Alabama. Then in the spring, Oklahoma became a school that he was like, I need to go there. I need to go get that offer. So it made you wonder if that would be kind of the top threat to the Gators. And then he announces his final two, and it's Florida and Texas A&M. So it's it's totally out of left field. You understand Texas A&M is coming off of the number one class, and they've recruited well, but that's heavy on defense, right? Not so much known for bringing in electric wide receivers. So while that could be a selling point in and of itself to Wilson, I do think just a longstanding love for the Gators, him being a Tampa kid, and understanding that he could fit right into what that program wants to do offensively. I just do think that's a little too much for almost any of these programs to overcome, especially with a summer commitment date. If he was talking about going through the season or signing day, something like that, that's the, the better news for AM or BAM or Oklahoma or whoever's in it. But sooner, the, the earlier commitment, sooner, sooner the better for Florida. And I do think early July after these visits, that, that is a clean pinpoint time for, for Wilson to come off the board. So I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'd be surprised if it was anyone other than, than UF when he does go public with that decision. And that's big. He's one of the best receivers in Florida. He's one of the fastest receivers in Florida. And you talk about what Billy Napier wants to do offensively. You need to hit those two boxes in this state. Uh, and I do think that he's going to be able to do that to a degree when Wilson commits. And later on in the month, July 23rd, 28th, there's a whole bunch of commitments set up. There's Peyton Kirkland, Joan Aguero, Malik Bryant, Derek LeBlanc, uh, John Walker, Jakeem Jackson, and seemingly an infinite number of kids are committing in that week stretch. What can Florida do to kind of gain ground and maybe even lock in some of these commitments? Yeah, I think they've done a really good job. I know um, right around that time, the dead period ends. So you wonder if anyone's going to sneak up for a visit. But particularly those those Kissimmee Osceola guys, um, they visited a thousand times, it feels like. right? They've been up so much, particularly LeBlanc and Walker. Jackson is more of a late riser. But he may be in the, end up as the one that they feel best about. I mean, they, they feel great about Jackson. I do think he's probably a gator as things currently stand things can change in, in three or four weeks but i think he's 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 a lock at this point for uf and then you know some of those other teammates are going to jump in it's just a matter of, of who every every one of those guys it feels like there's an emerging contender right with kirkland it's like oklahoma maybe miami at this point um with leblanc um oklahoma is in there miami is in there uh, Penn State, I think, got an official visit. So that that could be a bit of a fluctuation since he's moved up and down his commitment list. With Malik Bryant, it's like Alabama's the primary contender, although Miami's gaining confidence there as well. Um, but Florida's the constant with these guys. So I, I don't think they get all of them, but I do think that they have a chance to get the most of these guys. Because it seems like 
Alabama, Oklahoma, Miami are also recruiting all of them. So I do think from that perspective, Florida could win more than they lose. And I think that would be a big deal, particularly with a lot of them being Orlando area guys. That's another metro area Florida has to win. And it's a growing area. Like we're seeing more talent in Orlando, in and around Orlando. So you've got to secure the best from the region. And I think Florida is in position to do so. All right. Thank you, John. This is John Garcia, Sports Illustrated's Director of Football Recruiting and Lockdowns Recruiting Insider. Find him on Twitter, John Garcia underscore JR, and find him here and all around the Lockdown College <laughs> Podcast this week, next week, and beyond. Thanks so much. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. We are available daily and free. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Florida Gators football. Might just do a uh, a live episode after Eugene Wilson and Peter Woods commit, whether it's to Florida or not to Florida, maybe we'll go live anyway and still have the regularly scheduled Friday episode. We'll figure it out. We're going to get fun with it. Who cares? Now make your second listen to Lockdown SEC Podcast, hosted by Chris Gordy of Sports 790. Get the best coverage on the best conference in college football, baseball, basketball, soccer, and anything you want. Get the best coverage for the best conference with Chris Gordy of Sports 790, including covering the Lockdown Gators and Florida Gators. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole9Sports and GiantsCountryFSI.com. And I will see you all tomorrow.